Hello, everybody. It's your host, Jack Healy. And today on the Gotham Sports Machine, we're talking New York football with our co-host, Mark Healy. And joining us today is, as our guest is fantasy sports expert, Paul Greco, one of the industry's top analysts. We're going to talk about the outlook for the Jets and the Giants this upcoming season. And we're also going to be talking some fantasy football. He's also our cousin who's in town for the annual family picnic. So we're really excited to have him join us today. How you guys doing? I'm doing great. We got the great Paul Greco uh, on the show today. Paulie, uh, it's great that you're in town. Can't wait to see you tomorrow and uh, really uh, love having you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, well, you know, anytime I can bring a spotlight to your program, Jack, um, you know, all you got to do is, is call. I mean, you know, when you go from where you were to where you're at now, I mean, this is just a huge bonus for you. So I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Jack, you're not ready for this, man. You're not. You know, we did. What, what did we do, Mark? Like three, four years on, on series. And this is the way it was every time. Right. I mean, it's going to be over every the top. Time. It's going to be every over time. the top. But again, you'll see an audience that'll grow. So and that's what we're here to do. So let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Uh, I mean, the thing I've been waiting for all this time is just to watch some freaking football. It seems like it's been so long since the Super Bowl and it's just been dragging on since then now we got a little taste of fantasy fantasy starting to start up all the mock drafts are starting up and it's getting me excited I'm starting to look at these rankings and it's getting me excited to to go into the season and start drafting some football teams what about you guys yeah, I think, you know, for me, as you start to take a look and analyze uh, the upcoming season, there's a lot of changes that have happened over the offseason. I mean, if we're going to talk New York Jets, New York Giants, you take a look at just uh, New York Jets offense, you're talking about the entire offense has been completely, you know, retooled. You have a new quarterback, you have a new uh, running back, you have new wide receivers come in, you have a new offensive line. And so, you know, from a New York Jets perspective, like, you know, there's a lot of, of unknowns and, you know, and I'll take it even one step further. We'll talk a little betting here. Right. So the Jets over under on wins this year is six. And, you know, when I take a look at that and you start to take into consideration the Las Vegas odds, that actually helps in your analysis from a fantasy football standpoint. And the reason why I say that and the reason why I share that information with, you know, uh, up and coming, you know, experts is to take a look at that is because you have guys that are literally analyzing games for a living all the time. And so, you know, betters like me, when I see Jets and six, like, I, I'll be honest, I just put 100 bucks on the Jets on the over because I believe in what this offense can do. And with the new uh, players coming in on the defensive side of the ball and a new coaching staff, like, there's a lot of unknowns. So I think that's why the number's low. Uh, and because you have a rookie quarterback coming in, but you got a proven commodity, you know, in a guy like Corey Davis. You're bringing in to solidify your, your right tackle spot with Morgan Moses, who just signed, you know, with the Jets. If Tevin Campbell can can do half of what he's been able to do in the past, you know, you're talking about a guy that's going to get you probably uh, 800 to 1,000 yards on the ground and probably six to seven touchdowns, which could be, you know, worthy of a flex position uh, from a, a, a fantasy standpoint. You know, for a guy like me who does a lot of dynasty drafts too, like I picked up Zach Wilson. It wasn't because I'm, you know, just because I'm a Jet fan, I'm a Jet homer. But if you watch the tape on this guy and the, the, his ability to make reads and his ability to stay cool under pressure, you know, this is a kid that I think has the ability. It may not be this year, but two to three years down the line, like 
this is that next level guy. I believe he's a better than a, a Mark Sanchez who, you know, was able to take the Jets to like an AFC championship game, you know, two years in a row and come up short. I think he has that, that type, type of talent. And when you bring in a number one, like a Corey Davis, and then you got a, a Mims that can open it up and a Crowder underneath, you know, this, this offense could have the potential to be really, really scary. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And the thing I I don't think a lot of people understand is that, yeah, you add all those pieces, but the actual offense they're running is going to be so much better for the personnel. And it's going to be so much better for Zach Wilson because I see them running of the ball a lot this year. That's what the Shanahan LaFleur offense is all about, mixing in different running backs, asserting the run game so that your quarterback is just going to run through the play action and have open guys already. And Zach Wilson, again, you said his film shows he can make multiple reads really fast. So it's not going to be a problem for these play action passes for him. And when he's rolling out, he's going to, I think he's going to be really good in this offense. I agree. Yeah, I'll take it a step further, right? So you're bringing a guy like Mike LaFleur um, with the Shanahan kind of a background. The mm-hmm. The only issue that I see, and I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, right? You had a Le'Veon Bell that had come in and, you know, all us Jet fans were excited about the potential for, you know, the ability to run and the play action fake. I, I don't think that, you know, Tevin Campbell is at the same level as a bell. I just, because I haven't seen it. Right. I, I was, so I'm, I'm curious. That's what I say. I'm really curious to see if they stick with the game plan or if they're going to have to deviate based off of what is actually happening in the game. Right. Like th- those are things that as a jet fan that concern me, when I look at it from a fantasy standpoint, I have to see, at least in a preseason, whether or not this offensive line has the ability to push in order to open up those holes. You know, when you're talking about counters and trays and, you know, the ability to uh, pull a guard, if you can't do that fast enough to open up these holes, this offense is going to crumble real quick. Yeah. 100%. And-, and, and the other thing, too, is I just want to mention that the biggest drawback uh, in the Gase, you know, the Adam Gase slash Sam Darnold offense was something you brought up, Jack, is that lack of play action. It was hardly any play action uh, with the Jets in the last couple of years. And that that really not only um, undermined the ability of Sam Darnold to break up the offense, um, because the offense itself was for a guy who was supposed to be a quarterback whisperer, an offensive guru, uh, you know, Gase, in my opinion, uh, you know, as much as you want to blame possibly the talent, uh, that was drafted over the last few years by the Jets. Cer- certainly, Gase's offense uh, didn't really look that advanced or that interesting or e- even that creative. Uh, certainly not, you know, to help uh, Sam Darnold, you know, grow as a quarterback. So just just by implementing uh, those kinds of different looks, uh, as you as you said. Uh, Paulie, uh, you know, it, it just, there's no way but to go, but up, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, obviously when you have a system like this, that is very close to the system that Zach Wilson ran at BYU, obviously from an offensive standpoint, the Jets are certainly going to be better in that aspect. Mark, you know, it starts, it starts with your eyes, right? And you saw Gase's eyes, right? I mean, that's where it all starts, dude. <laughs> we were, <laughs> As Jet fans, there was nobody excited after seeing that press conference and my man's eyes. And you just knew it was not going to work out here in New York. 
No, I, you know, I, I, I think that the majority of Jet fans that, that, you know, Jack and I spoke to when they made the hire was why. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not like he had been, you know, successful anywhere, know, especially in Miami. I mean, you're taking a guy who's a division rival who you've seen, whose right. teams you've seen. Uh, it almost was like one of those, it was almost like one of those, you know, decisions where, it's so bad that the layman thinks that he could have made a better one. And yeah. it turned out to be more than correct. You know, I don't think any jet fan, uh, even if they didn't love the hire ever thought that last season was going to be the way that it was. I mean, a lot of people going into the season last year, we're talking about the jets, you know, maybe winning seven games. Right. Yep. Well, most people had Sam Donald breaking out last year and he's shown yeah. that he's New York's quarterback. And we learned really quickly that they couldn't even score a touchdown. Like those games were so brutal to watch last year that I really like just showing progress this year, just showing that they can move the ball and score points consistently. Just that they don't even have to win games. Just that'll show jet fans. Dad, like I said, man, I got a hundred bucks that they win, get over six wins. So they better get seven. You know what I'm saying, pal? Yeah. So that, that's the progress that has to happen, Jack. There's no if, ands, or buts around it. So, and it's gonna be hard when you take a look at the division, you know, that they're actually in. I mean, Miami, I think, got better in the offseason. Buffalo, man, I mean, they were already studs last year. I think New England got better, you know, in the offseason. Then you take a look at the the outside the division's uh schedule, and it's tough, man. It's it's like when I was going through, I, I was like, I'm just praying and hoping on some games that they were going to win. So, you know, to win seven games is going to be difficult for this team. But again, I, I really like what they've done in the offseason. I think Joe Douglas has done a great job with the personnel he's brought in. You take a look at the coaching staff uh, that's been brought in. I really like Obrick. You take a look at the, the, the quarterback coach, uh, Calabrese comes in. He's an East Islip guy. You know, it's a guy that won the Boomer Esiason Award. And, you know, I, I like what they're doing. And so, again, the product on the field is going to prove whether or not, you know, we're right or wrong um, and how they play against, you know, division rivals. But to me on paper, when you look at this team, it is absolutely 100% better. I would say at most position, I'm not going to say at all positions, but I mean, you've upgraded the wide receiver position. Ridiculous. Your uh, offensive line and defensive line have absolutely got better. And Jack, I don't know, you know, uh, from any of your other guests that have talked about the Jets, the key to me on the defensive side coming back that no one's really talking about, C.J. Mosley. You're getting him back at your middle linebacker position. He's a guy that took last year off. I love this guy. He's a tackling machine. He goes sideline to sideline. Um, I'm hoping the year off does not hurt him, but I think getting your captain back on defense is going to make a huge difference as well. Yep. C.J. Mosley, he was so huge for them when he was healthy. Yeah. He flashes of being an all-pro player. He, he showed flashes of being their next great linebacker. Right. And when you, when you get a guy like him, he's talking like I've seen stuff on social media where it's like people really don't know if he missed that. He took off that last year because of Gase or because of COVID. And when you have guys like if, if you really had your one of your captains or your defense taking off an entire year because he didn't like the coach, like that's just a bad job. There's yeah. – you can't let that happen. You can't let one of your pl best players be that just pissed about a coach. It's, and it shows how bad that hire was.
that you have players just so. I I mean, I, also Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell left because of that guy. So yeah, I you know if if we're talking Le'Veon Bell, you know that guy's got a screw loose here and there. I mean, when you're talking about you know Andy Reid and you would never play for that guy again, you've probably got the personal problems. I don't think it's it's the outsiders. You know what I'm saying? I mean, to to come out and say you'd never play for Andy Reid again. I, I don't know, Jack. Like to, to me, that's that's not a smart move. You know, that's <laughs> not a smart. You talk about the best, the best team in the AFC the last two years, and you would never play for that guy. Okay, go go play for some scrub then. Well, I mean, ever that's since he sat best. out, <laughs> ever since he sat out and didn't take that big money contract from the Steelers, never been the same in his head yep. or on the field. It's amazing how much ego plays a part in your destruction in the game of football. Mm-hmm. You've seen it time and time again. I mean, across the NFL, all these big head cases. I mean, look what Juju Schuster's going through. I mean, Juju Schuster was on the on the Jets' radar, and this is a guy that should have got paid heavily, but because of his his off the field actions, his egotistical ways in the locker room. I mean, you know, like when you're a jackass, people don't want to don't want to play with you. This is a different time, man. Like you're not Deion Sanders, where Deion Sanders could sit there and do whatever he wanted, and 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 you know, uh, be prime time as much as he wants. You could do that here, but it's going to come with consequences, man. And we're seeing it time and time again in the NFL right now because you're talking about grown-ass men that are hitting each other that don't have time for the TikToks and the Instagram love, right? They just want to play football and win. That's what it comes down to. 100%. And I've also, you've also seen, I'm sure, the, the one of the players on the Devin Bush of a linebacker on the Steelers talking about, I don't want to yeah. see grown men TikTok into my locker room and half his <laughs> locker room is on TikTok. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Problems. It causes problems. It does. Because uh, again, you know, cause you played football uh, here in Limbrook, the, the one sanctuary, the, the one cathedral that football players have is the locker room. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's where men can be men. Boys can be boys. And, it's held to a different standard, you know, because that is the closed door actions where you can have your man to man talks, right? And you can handle things inside the locker room. People that are inside that locker room, man, they, they don't want the outsiders to be able to see what's happening inside, you know? So, I, you know, I was at, I was very similar. Like when I played, I, I don't want anybody, if I'm having a conversation with you, Jack, inside, like if that's, if that leaked to the press or outside, like I'd be pretty pissed off about that. And that's unfortunately the, you know, the situation a lot of these players are into where they're not saying much in the locker room anymore because everything seems to get leaked because that seems to be more important than the actual playing of the game. Yeah, well, go ahead, Jack. Um, Now, I was just going to say that's just how it is now. It's social media. Every you can't nothing is sacred anymore. Well, you know, I mean, speaking for myself, you know, uh, I'm not on the TikTok, so I can't really speak to it as a social media platform. But I do know that um, Instagram, uh, it really is a, is a big platform for a lot of athletes. And they seem to be using it to their, you know, advantage. And, you know, it's just one of those realities that, you know, it's just one other thing that coaches have to deal with, you know, that organizations have to deal with, teammates have to deal with. So uh, it's not going to change anytime soon. I don't see uh, teams banning it. Uh, but, you know, definitely is something that's going to have to be, you know, it's definitely something that's going to have to be addressed by the teams themselves. There's no question about that. 
Yeah, um, and not to and, and Mark, not to derail like the conversation on where we're going with with NFL, but you know, as a former NCAA athlete, as you know, too, like I'm really concerned to see where this takes NCAA sports with the new, you know, that these athletes can get paid for their likeness. And I'm curious to see how the NCAA, you know, puts rules in effect, how teams put rules in effect, conferences put rules in effect to, to handle that. Because as much as I love the fact that NCAA athletes are going to get paid for their personal likeness, I'm curious to see how um, it gets implemented and how schools are going to react. Because if I'm wearing an Alabama jersey, now, how does that come into play if I'm showing my likeness with an Alabama football jersey on? Right. Like, so I'm, I'm curious to see how this ends up either blowing up in people's faces or if they could put things in place that are going to make everybody happy. Definitely a huge controversy in sports yeah. right now because on one side, you want college athletes, you want them to get paid and you want them to stay happy because of how hard it is to be a college right. athlete sometimes. But you also don't want the sport to get ruined. You don't want these kids just all only thinking about the money and yep. it, it seems like that's already happening with all these other leagues and like the g league starting to pay kids to just come there and that right. uh, that's why they did it they want more kids to be like all right i can go to college now i can get paid so why would i go to the, why would i go to another league when i could just be just as po- even more popular on the college level but yeah. i i think the nba choice the nba option of going to the g league is becoming more and more intriguing just because of the security and the fact that you're already getting looked at and working with these nba scouts and and coaches and you're not going to have to worry about the player likeness and you're not going to have to worry about any of that because you're already your own player you're only you already get have your own agent and you're just going to be a, a that much closer to being in the nba so, so jack I'll put this on, on you and Mark, right? Because uh, I consider myself pretty smart, right? So if I'm thinking about this um, smartly and I was somebody that wanted to do a study, the study that I would start right now is to start to determine the number of collegiate sport athletes versus their likeness versus what they're doing 10 years from now, right? And the reason why I say that is my fear is that athletes are going to get caught up in what the money and, and that particular that particular aspect of college sports is versus the reason why we were actually going to college, which is to, you know, enhance our, our intellect and become smart so that we can move into the real world and make money. Right. Because I'm fearful that we're going to get athletes that are going to make money in college, get out. Now they're not playing a sport. How much more influence are you really going to have outside and start to measure that to see the effectiveness of the pay? That's where I get really concerned. There's only 60 kids every year are going to go to the NBA. Yeah. And most, and like, I'd say 15, 20 of those kids aren't even from college basketball. They're international now. So that's even less spots for these kids. And some of the best college players in the world, they'll, they'll be considered a college basketball player and they won't get drafted. That's right. If you're not even one of those kids, who's one of the best players in the nation and you're worried about your likeness and your money, I agree with you 100%. Like, you, who, what are you going to do in 10 years, five, even five years, when you have nothing to show for it other than a year of playing 10 minutes and averaging three points a game? Yeah. So, it's going to be 
that's why I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing like 10 years from now what the impact of this decision is on not only collegiate sports, but the actual athletes that are participating and where they're at. That, that's going to be a curious, that's my curiosity looking forward. Mm-hmm. The sports world is getting crazy. It really yep. is. You just, you just well, switching gears to switching gears to the Giants, uh, Paul. You know, we we have you and I haven't talked about, and, and we haven't talked about uh, Daniel Jones. You know, uh, and we talk about it extensively uh, on this program. You know, we've asked a bunch of different people how they feel about Daniel Jones. I mean, uh, I, I'm pretty uh, positive about him. I don't want to speak for Jack. I guess Jack will share his uh, feelings on Daniel Jones. This is obviously year three of Daniel Jones. A lot of people have talked about how he has no excuses now because he has the weapons. I still believe that uh, great quarterbacks um, play great when they have a, a, a good to great offensive line. And without a good to great offensive line, it's hard to really gauge the ability of a quarterback. So where do you stand on Daniel Jones, not only as a, you know, uh, the once and future quarterback of the Giants, but also from a fantasy standpoint? Yeah, so let's let's talk about Daniel Jones' actualities, right? So you're talking about a guy that's going to enter his third season, right? There's, like you said, Mark, there's a mountain of questions, right? You're talking about a kid that's had an up-and-down rookie season. Then we're expecting, you know, some improvements under Joe Judge and then Jason Garrett coming in. But let's be honest, it, it just didn't materialize, right? His completion rate was 62.5%. His yardage were less than what they were his, his rookie year, and his attempts, you know, were kind of down. Uh, you talk about, you know, you go from 24 to 11 touchdowns. Um, some are going to say it's because it's a, you know, the Saquon Barkley effect because he was out. You know, the fact of the matter is, though, is like you've got to make the right reads. And when you have to step up, you have to step up from a fantasy perspective. He's definitely not a top 12. So it's definitely not a guy that I'm looking for. Uh, to me, I don't even consider him a backup uh, for teams that I would be drafting. Uh, you know, the, the weapons are around him. Right. You're, you're talking about, you know, Barkley coming back, which. I'm curious to see if he's going to come back for week one. That's obviously the big question. You sign a Kenny Galladay to come in. You've already got a Shepard. You already got a Slayton. I mean, this the, the offense, and let's not forget, you know, uh, Ingram as well at the tight end position. So you've got weapons around you. This is your third year. This is the, you know, either you're going to stay with the quote-unquote Jets or you're getting shipped to Carolina effect, right? Like, it's my dad used to have this saying, piss or get off the pot. And that's where I see Daniel Jones right now. Again, fantasy-wise, not a guy I'm drafting, not a guy that I that I have on my roster. I'm sure that in most, you know, they're going to have him uh, off as well for fantasy owners. But, Mark, to, to kind of sum up, not a guy I'm looking for. I don't – if he gets back to what he was his rookie year, does that mean he's improved? I don't think so. I, I think this is a guy that's – it's a flat line, right? Has the tools, but – you know, you have to be able to make those those quick and right decisions in the heat of the moment. This is a guy that, at least on film, has not been able to do that. I'd say it's the confidence for me because he's shown he can do it all. He's shown he's an accurate, deep passer. He can make every throw. And when that's when he's confident. When he's coming – when he's dropping back and he's thinking too much, you can tell because he's not looking at the edge rusher who's screaming at him and taking his head off, taking the ball out of his hands, and taking it the other way. Like, he, you could just tell he's lost sometimes, and he just can't, like, he's, like, stressed out, and you can't, you never want to see that in your quarterback. 
You always want your quarterback to be cool, calm, and collected. And that's why Tom Brady and Joe Montana are known as the best quarterbacks ever. Because in not even in the not even normal moments, in the biggest moments, they're cool, calm, and collected. You need let, to, like let me ask you, Jack, right? Because if you look at 2019 in his in his rookie year, he had five games of 300 yards or more. He had no games of 300 yards or more last year. And that's with a Barkley out where you would think that he'd be able to take the offense on his shoulders and be able to move this. He only went over 250 yards three times, and that's because two of those games were 256 and 252. And the only other game that he had over 250 yards was the first game of the year against Pittsburgh at 279. So, like, is it confidence or is it, you know, teams are seeing that they got to put, uh, you know, uh, too deep coverage on this guy in order for him not to go deep. And when you talk about lack of confidence, again, when you take a look at the numbers, you're talking only four games all of last year. We had more than 40 attempts in a game. And two of those were in the first two games when Barkley was there. Right. So, like, I don't know if it's a confidence issue or if it's an actual athletic and ability to actually control an offense, which a quarterback is supposed to be able to do. You're not in maintain mode when Barkley's out because that's your stud running back and you have the ability to play fake and you have the ability to work off of Barkley. But then when Barkley goes out, you can't take an offense that has really good players to a next level to show where you're going. That's why, you know, when I take a look at, again, the film and the numbers, I'm really concerned for year number three. And it's that whole pisser or get off the pot mentality to where he is really under fire. He, he may be in the same boat and what the Jets had to deal with this past year. Um, and he might be in that in a similar boat, man. I don't know about the whole not being able to run an offense and what play, who do you have last year going down the stretch? Wayne Goldman. That was his best player last year. That was his go-to guy was Wayne Goldman. He had, he got hit 45 times in 14 games. He got sacked. There is no confidence in a quarterback when every time he drops back, he's getting sat down and throwing the floor. Hold when, up. Let, let me give you, let me give you a perfect counter to that. Because I'm sure you're familiar with a, a, a Tony Romo. Tony Romo in his last two to three years was getting the exact same kind of uh, protection and was making throws and making plays and moving a team when he didn't have a running game. And how many big games did he win? Zero? Well, he didn't want a big game in his life. Wait a, sec, wait a sec. If you're talking playoffs, I'm not talking playoffs because as a fantasy owner, I don't give a damn about, about playoffs. right? I care about games one through 16, maybe 17 in certain leagues. right? And so where I care about it, if you're talking big games and I'm taking a look at the end of the year, if you take a look at Tony Romo's career and you take a look at the, the last four weeks of every season, you're going to see a guy that's putting up numbers versus what I'm seeing from a Daniel Jones, right? When I take a look at Daniel Jones, who missed two games at the end of this past year, right? And you're taking a look at the, at the game logs for the last 14 through 17, you're talking 127 yards, 252, 229, right? And only getting out of those three games, he had one game over 25 attempts. And, you know, so when you're talking big games and I'm taking a look at these big games against Dallas, big games against Baltimore, a must win against Arizona. Right. I mean, that those are the things that I take a look at when I'm looking at film of, of a guy and a quarterback, particularly that's supposed to be a leader and a leader of the team. And I don't see those qualities in Daniel Jones. I get it. You're running for your life. I mean, that seems to be a New York theme. Right. I mean, it happened on the other side of the bridge as well. It, but you have to be able to either step up, make plays or don't. Yeah, and yeah, man. the thing is, I, I didn't see him making as many mental mistakes as the Sam Donald was. 
his mistake, the mistakes I saw from Daniel Jones were a scared quarterback, not a guy who's not a stupid quarterback. Like Sam Donald would look stupid to me sometimes because he would get blitzed and throw it to a throw it to the free safety. Jack, when you're seeing ghosts, bro, I mean that's what happens, man. You know, like when you're seeing ghosts, those things are gonna happen to you as a quarterback. Yeah. I and I but I think if he with all these guys they've brought in, if they can bring him confidence and he settles in, he's gonna be slinging the rock. He has he's shown he's a good deep ball arm. He's yeah, he had, didn't have the greatest year last year. Still throw for over 60% completion with no receivers. So now you give him big targets, guys who can catch the ball, and a guy like Kadarius Tony who could stretch the field. Jack, have you ever seen your dad throw a ball? Your dad could have yeah. completed 60%. You know why? Because his attempts were 6.4 yards an attempt. Your dad could throw 6.4 yards. You, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that's also where one think, of the, that's the most accurate deep ball, though. He also had one of the most accurate deep balls last year. But but here's the thing, Jack. Like when people get caught up in the completion rate. You have to take a look at the next level of analytics on that. And the next level of analytics is how far is he making those throws? He averaged 6.4 yards an attempt last year. An attempt. It's hard not to throw 60% when you're doing dick and dunks, right? It's really hard. Now, if you and, and I'll take it even further. If we're talking about, okay, we're throwing 6.4 yards a game, that's probably considered a West Coast type of an offense. Then I take you to a guy that you mentioned before, a Joe Montana, a Steve Young. Right. And being able to move teams like that. Like, again, that's where I start to take that next level of analytics to place a quarterback like this from a fantasy perspective into the different tiers. And he's not even in the top four tiers. He's five or six. When you take a look at the breadth and the scope of all the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, that's hard. I I think that, um, you know, uh, there's also, you know, and I I appreciate the fact that you think I can throw – you know, be I'm giving idea. you the benefit of the I, doubt, Mark. I appreciate I mean, it. Uh, I, we'll see. I, we'll see tomorrow in the egg toss contest <laughs> how far you can throw an egg. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a whole different ball of wax, my friend. Um, no, I, I look. This is where Jack and I have, have talked about this. Um, I, I, I think you're going to see a jump. I think you're going to see a jump. Uh, but it's all really to me the biggest jump by what though mark is it just as past the sophomore year or the freshman year i feel like i feel like you're going to see and again it really to me having watched uh the falcons mvp quarterback be reduced to uh the offense that he played in the last couple of years with Dirk cutter um you know sometimes your offensive coordinator is your worst enemy uh if, if if the offensive line is number one the offensive coordinator is number two um having watched a lot of giant games and, and, you know, seeing some of the head scratching decisions that are made on the offensive side of the ball and in, in, uh, with big blue. Um, I do think you're going to see more consistency. I don't know what it's going to mean. I don't know if you're going to see enough consistency where the giants are going to be, Oh my God, this is our quarterback for the future. I yeah. just have, I, I just feel like from what I've seen, of David Jones without with Daniel Jones without going into the analytics because you know math is my kryptonite. Right, you know, right. I learned that this morning, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> um, it, it it's just for me. I just think as a if I'm a Giants fan and I'm not, but if I was a Giants fan, um, all I'm really looking for uh, at the end of the day, I'm not looking for fantasy points. I'm not looking for. Uh, you know, a guy who's going to turn into a Cam Newton or, a, or good, I mean, good Cam Newton or, or a Patrick Mahomes. I want to see a guy that I can give the ball to. 
So is he going to be Phil Sims, who took you know a few years to develop into a, a top-notch quarterback, or is he going to be Scott Bruner? I mean, I think that is the question that that Giant fans are really trying to answer, and I think Daniel Jones is going to answer those questions. Whether or not it's he becomes this statistical beast is you know that's 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 not up to me. That's not that's going to be up to him. Yeah, but I I do think you're going to see a better quarterback. I just don't know. I just don't know what that means right now. But again, if I'm a giant fan, I just want to see a guy who looks like he can be my starter for the next four or five years. So let me ask you this, you know, with what's coming up and right now I've got pulled up some of my, my buddies who have uh, already started putting numbers on it. And some of those consistencies, like the consensus I'm seeing is so Daniel Jones has never attempted more than 459 attempts in a season. That was his uh, first year, right? Last year, 448. Now I'm seeing like the consensus is 535 attempts. Like that's almost a hundred more attempts than he's ever tried to attempt in his career. And that's where like, I start to think like, how is that even possible? You got Saquon Barkley coming back. Are you saying that now that he's coming back, that you're actually going to throw more and run less. And so Jack, I want to get like your thoughts on that. Do you see Daniel Jones actually throwing the ball 100 times more than what he's ever done in his career? Well, that's all going to depend on if the offense is moving. Because when you, yeah, you get Saquon Barkley back, but he's also a great receiving threat. He's also, he's also a guy that made 40-year-old Eli Manning look like a usable quarterback because they were winning here and there because of how good he was. So if you're going to get a Daniel Jones to rely on Saquon Barkley and they get chemistry in the passing game, I could say... I can see that I can see not only Daniel Jones taking a step, but the whole offense taking a step and him getting those a hundred extra throws because of it. Interesting. Okay. Those are things I'm I'm looking forward to seeing then this year because again, I I, I mean I have one of these guys that's that's saying six hundred attempts. And that just it literally blows my mind because uh, this is a guy even in college that wasn't throwing as much as people are expecting him to throw this running, year. He's a running quarterback in college. He barely yeah, that's what, in college. Yeah. That's what I'm, that, that's, so you're starting to prove my points here, Jack. That's what I'm trying to get at, right? Like, how are people expecting this guy to throw 100 times more than what he's thrown in the past at the NFL level when he's never done this at any level he's been at? I could also see them f- throwing in a lot more of these, like, jet touch passes where they're not actually throws because they got a guy like Tony who's – he's like a running back and a receiver. He, they could put him in the backfield, give him, like, a little shovel pass, and maybe they're, like – Maybe that's going to be more of a part of the offense. So yeah. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they run the offense. And I'm sure we're going to figure it out soon. So, yeah. Forward to it. And this, well, this has been another great episode on the Gotham Sports Machine. Thanks for coming. Yeah, hold up, Jack. You need to do that again because you have to say this has been the best. So can we try uh, that again? This, has, this has been the can best. Try that? Let's take uh, two on. Jack. Oh go ahead. Well, Here we is- go. Ready, Jack? One, two, three it's been the best episode on the Gotham <laughs> sports machine thanks for coming on paul it's been absolutely uh, it's been the number one this has been the best show that's see that's what i'm talking about see mark you got this guy going in the right direction i appreciate you guys i love you paul we'll see you tomorrow pal i can't can see wait you tonight we'll see you tonight yeah can't wait oh,